Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. So James chapter 1 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you, consider, when you uh, face trials of many kinds, because you know that the working of your faith or the, or the trying of your faith works patience. Uh, patience is, is a kind word there. What he really wants to say is perseverance or endurance. It's this, the, the, the ability to push through and power through. It's like a resilience that gets us not just the fact that we can wait well, but that we can power through and survive well. And he says, if, if you'll let joy do its work in your trial, if, if, you'll, if you'll let the trial not equate to joy, but if you let the trial steer you back into considering who I am and what I can be and what I can do, trust me, that trial will grow you stronger. It will make your endurance greater. It will make your perseverance greater. He says, and then you'll be complete Mature, lacking nothing. And that word mature, oftentimes, it's, it's hard to really um, to, to translate that well because mature for us is so based on our emotional structure. It's based on our mental structure. Like, oh, are you mature yet? Are you to the age of maturity? But if you look at it in the, in the form of debt and deficiency, we know that a debt comes to maturity or the maturation date when it is completely paid off and there's nothing left to owe. And so in our lives, we have tons of deficiency. We have tons of lack. And God is saying, if you'll consider it joy, when you go through the toughest times, you'll produce an endurance that brings you up to completion in a place where you have no lack, you have no deficiency. As a matter of fact, you're able to go from glory to glory to glory trouble to trouble to trouble like it's nothing because you are full of what I have depending on if you will consider, consider it pure joy. And I know a ton of people that every time they face something, I mean, you just get on Facebook, you're going to find everybody talking about, we need to take shots at the end of 2020. When 2021 comes around, we need to, we need to take a shot. For what? What is it going to do? One person told me, he said, he said uh, uh, be very careful when you try to drown your troubles because your troubles can swim, okay? And so we, we go through this whole entire year, like thing after thing after thing, trouble after trouble, school after school, work after work, all of these issues, and we go, you know what? I don't know if those equate to pure joy. He's like, no, but you can look for the joy in it. And what is the joy? It is the inward delight that God has in you, knowing that he is the one who supplies every good work. And so then we come down to this verse, chapter, or verse four, or is it five? It's five. And we're going to read it today. And uh, that's the recap from last week's sermon. If you want to check it out online, you can. Um, but here is verse five. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, is that you? You should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like the wave of a sea, my favorite. Blown and tossed by the wind, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is a double-minded man, unstable in all they do. Ouch, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you're doing right here. Holy Spirit, 
you're definitely welcome here. We know that you've been working in our hearts and lives. We feel you, we see you, we know you, and we're so grateful. Thanks for always pointing us to Jesus and showing us in a greater way who you are in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. He says, back to five real quick. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang here for a minute. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. He spends the first, you know, you know, two, three, and four talking about this, this deep concept. Consider it all joy. You face many trials of many kinds. He's like, it, it sounds like a pipe dream. It sounds really stupid. It's like, how can that actually be my life? I don't know if I can consider the worst things in my life pure joy. I don't think I consider the little annoyances, these little issues and problems. Everything feels like it's stupid. Everything feels like it's dumb. I don't want to do this. It's annoying. It's the end of the world. La, 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 la. I don't know if I can consider it pure joy. He says, you need to. You have to. And you have to steer your thoughts, steer your thinking, lead your thinking towards who I am. And then he goes like this. It's like a juxtaposition. This is this adverse. He's like, if... If you're in that position and you lack wisdom. And that's where most of us get us wrong because we're like, yeah, we just kind of separate them out. We've got one verse at a time, blah, blah, blah. But what he's saying is you can be mature, perfect, lacking nothing. And if you lack wisdom, go ahead and ask. Go ahead and ask. In our lives, we are so achievement oriented that we're like, you know what? I'm not being a very good Christian. I'm not considering it pure joy. I guess I got to do better. I guess I got to, I guess I got to. He's like, no, you can, you can consider it pure joy. You steer your thought towards me and you become perfect. And in the moments where you feel overwhelmed, in the moments where you don't know what to do, as a matter of fact, in the moments when you do know what you think you should do, and it's absolutely wrong, you should ask for wisdom because probably you lack it. You have to ask for wisdom. And he says this, I will give it generally without finding fault. And so our achievement, we've already started with, I don't consider it pure joy. As a matter of fact, this is really crappy. This is a terrible moment. As a matter of fact, I don't know what to do. As a matter of fact, I feel lost. As a matter of fact, this is the worst year ever. As a matter of fact, we just keep going down the line with everything. And what he says is, he's like, he's like look, hold on a second. It's not about your achievement. You don't have to be good enough to, to come to me and ask for wisdom. You don't have to like to like. Um, you don't have to like have a, a clean record, right? And so a lot of times we don't want to even come to him because we're like, you know what? I don't think he wants to give me wisdom. I don't think I'm at a place where I deserve to have the wisdom. After all, I kind of got myself into this mess. You know, I don't even think I. I it, if, if he has a solution, why would he give it to me? I know who I am. He knows who I am. Right? And he says it's encouraging because he'll give it to you without finding fault. Another version says he'll give it to you liberally. In other words, that God is in heaven making it rain with wisdom. I was hanging out with my friend uh, Kevin Lee. We traveled to Italy together. Um, we're getting ready to travel somewhere else. I don't know, probably to China. I don't know. Not China, just kidding. We don't know how to speak Chinese yet. Um, so it's funny watching me and Kelly walk around trying to speak Italian, uh, but we're speaking Spanish. <laughs> um, so anyway, talking to Kevin Lee, and we're just talking about life and whatever else. And he's like, you know, B, He's like, I've figured out, 
most of my life, it's like I was poor, had nothing. I figured out watching everybody else what life was supposed to be like. I achieved all that. And uh, I wrote kind of like my own playbook for life. It's like, I got to do this. I got to do this. He's like, I did all that. Got a degree. I went to, I moved to Haiti and did philanthropy, did uh, social work. He was a, a counselor for students who had survived uh, the, the hurricane and lost parents. I mean, he, he'd been there, done that. He, uh, he's, uh, he's learned how to play instruments. He married a beautiful bride. He, he has a tremendous job. He has, he has plenty of money. He has all of that. He wanted to take his mom to, to Paris. He's like, I'm going to take my mom to Paris. Uh, one of the goals, you know, he just name it. Like everything that in his life growing up, he was like, this is what successful people do. He drew up a playbook. He's like, I had a playbook. He's like, here I am today. I'm telling you. It's like, you know, you know this. He's like, there's no playbook. It's like you write it up and you can just throw it away. There's no playbook for life. There's no playbook. And I believe the same thing is true about God. As a matter of fact, we have a gift here with this letter from James. But the Christians of that day, they had, to, they had to rely on God more than they relied on a letter. And most of us are walking around trying to figure out some sort of wisdom, some sort of nugget, some sort of, can I watch the shack one more time and figure out what my life is about? Hello, you know you do, right? Can I hear one more sermon? Can I have one more calendar with a special verse of the day? Speak so well to me. But until you learn to hear the voice of God and to follow it, to hear his wisdom and to rely on it completely, your playbook will always be obsolete. Because life will write you a playbook and it will always come up short. And so what he says is God will give it generously without finding fault. You don't have to beat yourself up. You don't have to like just have it all figured out in order to, it's not like you have like a credit report, you know, with God. Like, hey, check my credit. You know, every time you give wisdom, I'm very, very faithful with it. I'm faithful time and time again. As a matter of fact, I have an 800 credit score with your wisdom, God. Not the way it works. He's like, look, If you lack wisdom, I give it generously. So what's the hook? What's the hook? What's the issue? The issue is that we have an Old Testament view of God's wisdom instead of a New Testament view of God's wisdom. We have an Old Testament view of God's dealing with people instead of a New Testament view of God's dealing with people. Here's a, give me Exodus. I'll tell you a story. This guy named Moses, you might have heard of him. Looks like Charleston Heston, very powerful, big, boomy voice. Then Moses said to God, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on who I have mercy, and I will have compassion on who I have compassion. And he says, what I'm going to do is, like, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock which is one of my favorite songs of the Old Testament, or the, not the Old Testament, the olden days. Moses says, God, show me your glory. He says, I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock, and I'll pass all my goodness by you. He's like, but you can't look. You can't look, he tells him in the next verses. 
You can't look, but as I get all the way past, he's like, you can check out my backside. And you'll see the train of my goodness, the tail end of my goodness. Now, this is Moses who has such a passion for God. He has given his whole entire life to follow after God. He goes back to the place he doesn't want to go back to. He dives into um, this great mission of, of, of leading the children of Israel out to the, the, actually the promised land, but they only just go to the desert. And uh, the desert, and they just exist out there. And he's got to lead all these people for 40 years because they decided that they don't want to have all that God has for them. And so it's just this turn of events in our lives. is like, well, you know, every time you make a mistake, you just got to wander around in the desert some more. You know, you could have made it to the promised land, but instead you're just walking around the mountain. There's like, what the sermon is, one more time around Mount Sinai. One more time around. And that's what we feel like our life is. That's our Old Testament view. Moses was the only one who was willing. As a matter of fact, there's one other person, Joshua. Moses was like, you know what? I think there's a relationship to be had because he knew God. And so he's like, he's like, hey, God, I, I, I need to know you. Would you show me your glory? Now, everybody else, when God showed up, he's like, I want to come down and I want to talk to everybody. Gather everybody, make them fast, consecrate themselves. They come down. God just comes down in a whirlwind, not even really himself. Just comes down in a whirlwind. And then all of the people, they, they get freaked out and scared. They're like, no, no, don't kill us. Don't kill us. I say, Moses, why don't you go talk to God? We'll just do whatever he says. Moses was not willing to exchange his relationship with God for a bunch of rules. Most of us just want a bunch of rules over relationship. It seems very cliche, but it's absolutely true if you'll just dig into it. Just tell me what to do, God, I'll do it. Just give me some kind of playbook. Just, you know, line out my life and, and I'll do it. It's like, no, no, no. What I want is I want, I want relationship. Moses understood it. And the Bible says that he would go up on the mountain. He would spend lots of time with him. His face would begin to glow when he'd come back down. He didn't know that his face was glowing. But everybody else was like, wow, your face is glowing. As a matter of fact, it was so bright, they couldn't stand to look at it. It wasn't just a, like, a nice little black, black light effect. Like, whoa, it's cool, man. God here, man, I got my black light. Wasn't that? It was so bright. They made him wear a veil. The dude had to dress up like he was in the Taliban because the glory of God was on his face. Okay? I say that because for years I thought a veil was like, you know, the, the lacy thing that brides wore. Okay? But Moses was straight up covered. The glory of God on his face. Why? Because he wanted to know God. He had to know God. And out of that relationship, we, we can see it in Deuteronomy, Exodus. We can see it in Numbers. We can see the places where Moses has straight relationship, conversations, wisdom, exchanging back and forth. Because that is God's desire for humanity. It took him 2,000 years, and it wasn't until... Jesus, that he was able to establish this relationship again. 
This is the way it was with Adam and Eve. God talked with them. He walked with them. He, he hung out with them. He exchanged wisdom with them, and it was broken. And then there was these people that would come along with Moses. The Bible says that he was a friend of God and spoke to God face to face. He would go up, and, and God would meet with him and talk. And the Bible says that Joshua would go and just sit in the room. Think about that. He'd just sit in the room while Moses is talking to God. And the Bible says that Moses would come back down and Joshua would just stay in the room. It's like, whatever Moses has is what I want. That's what I got to have. Whatever everybody else has is not worth having. David is known as the man after God's own heart. And everybody says, oh, it's just because, you know, he sang songs and he was pretty songs. Like lots of people sing songs. They don't mean much. But it was David who I believe lived a New Testament life in the midst of Old Testament people. They just wanted rules. They just wanted regulations. They just wanted something. God, give me your wisdom. It's fine. But David would spend deep time with God. So much so that when he writes the 23rd Psalm, 20, Psalm 23, 6 is this. Surely your goodness and mercy, your love, will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What did God tell Moses was going to pass by when he said, show me your glory? He said, I'll let my goodness pass by you. David has a glimpse into something that Moses was experiencing when God passed by. Your goodness, oh mercy, oh Father. In Psalm 27, David says this, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. This is the nature of people who know God at a greater level. I believe that this is the New Testament version of what God is trying to express, and he had to kill his son to get it to you. For you to experience that his glory, his nature is with you all the time. And you're so busy punishing yourself, shaming yourself, walking you through all of the things going, you know what? This is just producing patience. This is just producing perseverance. It's not the rough time that produces the thing in you. It's being hooked up to the source of goodness. You don't get better with trials. You get better if you consider the supplier in the trial. Period. You don't, because the world is full of trials, the world is full of trouble, and we would have a lot more mature people running around. But sadly, we do not. They're not more mature. As a matter of fact, usually when you go through a lot of trials, you become more bitter, you become more terrible, you become more broken. And we have things that we call trauma, PTSD, all of these things we're trying to recover from. You have to have the source that supplies. And so what does God say? If you consider it pure joy, and then he says, if, if you lack wisdom. What's wisdom? It's a gift. It's a gift of the Spirit. It's a gift. It's a gift. What is it rooted in? It's rooted in God's goodness. Does he give it liberally? 
Yes. Does he check your record to see if you deserve wisdom? No. He gives it. He gives it. He gives it. So what's the issue? What's the issue? This is the way he wants to operate. He operated with Moses, with David. He operated with Noah. He operated that way with Enoch. He operated that way with Joseph, Elijah. The Bible says that Elijah was just a regular man like us. But because he was willing to tap into God's relationship, he prayed and it stopped raining for three years. We have to be the people who are connected to the goodness in order to see the truth for every situation. Let me try to say that in a different way. We need to begin to look at trials, problems, issues, and go, okay, God, I know that I know you. I know that your wisdom can solve this problem. And instead of getting in the way going, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I don't know if I deserve it, I don't know, I just da, da, da. Stop thinking about yourself and go, God, what do you want to be in this situation? What is it that you want to do in this situation? And then let him give you the wisdom for it. That's deeper than what you can really even understand. Because until you live it out, it doesn't become a full realization, a full revelation. It's only in living it out. It's like, it's like Jeremy is running lights. I come in, I show him a, a computer screen. Here's a computer screen. Here's how the lights work. How you feel. <laughs> I, knew, I knew how he felt. <laughs> okay, Because I set him up. Right? I know what it's like. He's like, I don't know, kind of nervous. He's like, yeah. I'm only showing you just a few things so that as you do it, you'll get a greater revelation. Not everything can be understood from a textbook. It has to be lived out in order to do it. I could tell you on and on about the goodness of God. But this is why many people don't experience the fullness of God. People say miracles aren't for today. Signs and wonders aren't for today. Tongues aren't for today. All these things are today. I, I need to see it in here first before I can do it. It's like, well, it says it. You have to experience it to know it well. You'll get the revelation of it. And so when I say consider it pure joy, you're like, Brandon, I don't know. <laughs> Sounds good. I tried that this week. You had me going on Monday. I almost got through Tuesday. Consider it. The problem is, Brandon, I just lack. And we didn't get to that part yet. But if you lack wisdom, you should ask and God will give it to you without finding fault. He'll give it to you liberally. And the enemy will tell you that you don't deserve to have wisdom. God will lavish it on you. And the enemy will tell you that is the stupidest thing you ever heard. God will give you visions and dreams, signs, wonders. He will give you an inner witness. He will give you the Holy Spirit to do great, mighty things. And the, whole, and the enemy will come by and say, that's hogwash. Why? He's always accusing He's always destroying, and God says, I give it to you liberally. So what's the key? Go back to James real quick. Um, he says, he gives it liberally. 
But when you ask, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Here's the number one thing when people ask me questions about God and what they should do in their life. And I go, this is what the Bible says. This is what I think you should do. And they go, yeah, but I don't know. I, you don't understand, Brandon. I, I can't do that. The, you know, let, let me tell you, maybe you didn't hear my story again. Let me tell you my story again. You know what the number one thing that I tell people? The number one thing I tell people? Don't take it personally. Don't take it personally. As a matter of fact, Jesus said it. He said, blessed are those who are not offended at me. That means that if I can take the truth of Jesus, then I won't be offended. The Bible says that great peace have them that love thy law, that love the word of God, that walk in what God has to say, and nothing shall offend them. Hmm. Mm. Offense usually comes out in this one word. Offended is such a nice word. It's like the Sunday school word. I'm offended. But you know what offended really is? It's anger. That, rise, that makes my blood boil a little bit. <laughs> I'm offended. We're just honest, like, I'm angry about that. As a matter of fact, I'm seething a little bit. And the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And he says like this, don't give the enemy a foothold. In other words, the first and best piece of wisdom you can just have is, hey, don't take it personally. Don't be offended. Don't be angry. Why? Because the wisdom of the Bible says that Satan's like, oh, bitterness? Whoop. Can I get in? No, man, you're not welcome here. Well, this uh, bitterness says I do. This anger says that I can just walk right in whenever I want. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. What is belief? Putting your whole entire life on it. Sort of rock climbing. Uh, now, it's like 40 feet up high in the air. and you're at, in, Indoor, indoor. Uh, I'm not quite to the grabbing hold of raw rocks yet with no, no net. <laughs> so my daughter says, Dad, you're the only person I have left that gets me, okay? You cannot climb big rocks. <laughs> so I'm climbing up, and I'm relatively new at it. So I climb up to the top, and I'm, I'm a little bit afraid of heights. Um, so I'm attached to this repelling gear, basically. And I'm at the, I make it to the top, and I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I made it to the top. And then I'm like, I got to get down. Right? <laughs> I got to get down. And to get down... It's harder than getting up, than if you know that or not. Because you're looking up, 
just go for the next one, and you can just grab the one that you can grab a hold of, and you're good to go. And getting down, you're going, whoa, the ground is 40 feet down. And there's one easy little place to put my toe up. How's that going? But the options are to jump off 40 feet or to climb back down. So naturally, I just climb back down. And they say, that's harder to do it that way. It's like, it doesn't matter. Why? Because I don't really believe that if I jump off this thing, my big manly frame is going to be guided down nice and gently to the floor. As a matter of fact, last night, and I, I, the, the last week I went and, and uh, I, I went halfway up. I got to figure out how to jump off because I, I, I can't just climb down. I, I got I to conquer this thing. And so I, I, I climb up about 10 feet and then I jump off. Well, the rappelling gear doesn't even catch until like you're almost there. Like, bam, whoa, I just got, I just about bashed my knees into the floor. Um, so I, I did that. I said, okay, I'm going to do it next. So then yesterday, it had been a week since I'd been there, and, and I was a little bit stressed about um, this jumping off again. So last night I went, I climbed all the way to the top, and I'm like, you know what? I think I'm just going to climb on down. And I was up at the top, and I was like, Brandon, you have a brand new harness. You've never jumped off with this, like, from a 10-foot place. So what makes you think that this is going to hold you at 40 feet? Probably all these other little, little guys running around here, these 5'8 guys weighing 120 soaking wet all the way up. They can jump off. You can't. It's not going to work for you. Your harness is going to break. I don't think, I just did this last week. I can do it. No, you cannot. This is for everyone else but you. As a matter of fact, I don't think you should be here right now. This is stupid. What happens if you jump off here and then you and Allie both have broken legs? You got to preach tomorrow and then you broken leg be one thing. There's concrete on the back half of that. If you roll off, you're going to hit your head. You know what I did? Stood up at the top, said, you know what? I believe. And I jumped. 40 feet. And you know what happened? I glided to safety. Now, I had the tools. They were the right tools. But I didn't believe in them until I jumped. You can have the right information, the right wisdom, the right plan. As a matter of fact, you could have prayed over it, you could anoint it with oil, but until you go, you don't believe it. You do not believe it. It's like going to the airport with luggage and walking around the airport, hopping back in your car and driving home. You can tell people you're flying all day long, but until you get on the plane, you're not flying. You can come to church, you can carry your Bible, you can have the verse of the day, you can have all the right things. You know what, the, the biggest hogwash I hear from people that think we're, they're mature believers? Well, you know, people just come to me and I just have all the advice from them. One, one uh, student I had was like, you know, my friends consider me like they're Brandon Block. You know, I, have all the, I just have all the right inf- information and I help them through. And, uh, you know, just have the good things to say. Why is your life a mess? Why do you have no joy? Why do you have no peace? Why are you addicted? Why are you walking through? Why do you have no freedom? Why do you have no... Just walk through. 
Because a lot of people have the right, and, and trust me, in the Instagram world, the social media world, everybody's got a meme about something that can fix your life in one simple picture. And you can like it, but if you like it, it doesn't change your life. You can even put a little care emoji. That doesn't change your life. You can repost it for everybody and say, this is so good, but it don't change your life. You're going to have to jump. And jumping is going to be scary. And you're going to have to trust something you've never used before. So when James says, look, if you doubt, you won't receive anything. That's not God's punishment. It's that you don't receive the fruition, the fullness, the, the, the reward for following after the wisdom of God. You won't do it. You'll never be mature lacking nothing because simply you are tossed around like a boat in the sea. And then it says, let that person not believe they should receive anything from God. Why? Because God's pissed off at you? Sorry, Norma. No, because that's not the way it works. It's simple this. I ask for wisdom, God gives it liberally. Do I follow it or do I not? And if you don't, you're going to continue the same drama. You have to believe and not doubt in your heart. Well, I don't know. I have some doubts. Trust me, there was a guy that told Jesus that. I got some doubts in my heart. And Jesus is like, it's cool. Remember that one? You, you probably quote it sometimes. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. That's all it took. Peter walks on water, walks out to Jesus, begins to sink. What does Jesus say to him after he sinks? You stupid human being. I'm never giving you my wisdom again. He says, oh, you of little faith. And you know what the cynics say? Yep. Just a little faith. Da, 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 da. But you know what the people who are full of God say? If I can walk on water with just a little faith, I think I can, I think I can muster that up. I think I can do that. I think I can follow God with just a little faith. I think I could, I could, I could try it out. I think I could, I could step out of the boat. I think I could follow the wisdom of God. All it takes is just a little faith. A little faith. So I don't get it. Deuteronomy 29, 29 is this. The secret things belong to God. But the revealed things belong to us, to our children. The secret things belong to God. God, I need to know. I got I to gotta figure it out. I, gotta, I, I, don't, I don't know. How is this going to end? I mean, where are we going to go? And what's the, what's the end game? I don't know. It's like, no, I gave you some wisdom. Just walk out in that. The secret things belong to me, but the revealed things belong to you. I don't know. All I know, God, is that I'm not supposed to not be offended. Well, revealed things belong to you. Secret things belong to me. All I know is that I don't have enough to make it. Well, then maybe I, I said, if, 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 you'll, if you'll be obedient to the tithe, I'll open the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing you can't contain. I don't understand that. It sounds stupid. I don't get it. That's what Allie keeps on saying. I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. I need to understand it. The secret things belong to me. The revealed things belong to you. What does that mean? It means I do what's revealed to me and all the rest will be taken care of. You mean if I, if I forgive them, then 
what's, what's going to happen? They'll just think they got off, got over them. Yeah, doesn't matter. Secret things belong to me. The revealed things belong to me. Consider all joy. How am I supposed to do that? My problems don't get fixed. I just live in a pipe dream like a crazy hippie out there just out in the weeds, just running around, doing nothing. Yeah. Try it sometime. Revealed things are yours. The secret things are mine. There's one other verse I want. Uh, Proverbs 11. And this is probably where most of us are. Searching the internet for your answer about your condition. You know, like, the first time I was divorced, I used to go through and find uh, internet. I'd be like, God, I wasn't saying God. I was just searching for myself. Google, dear Google, dear Google in heaven, in the cloud, could you tell me the information that I need? <laughs> I should have preached that one. That's be good. Uh, I would preach. I would search for pastors who were divorced. Because surely, if I could find one who was successful after a divorce, then I would have some ground to stand on. God was like, "What are you doing? What are you doing, Brandon?" Do you think when they were divorced that it was like they had to run through something? It's like some find an answer. No, I wrote their story and you're watching their story. Stop all that mess, Brandon. I'm writing your story and your story will be the testimony. Anybody else? Doesn't matter. Some will, some won't. So what? Whoever seeks good finds favor. What kind of wisdom are you looking for? But evil comes to the one who searches for it. What are you searching for in your relationships? What are you searching for on your computer? What are you searching for in your kids? Searching for good or evil? You'll get what you search for. God, give me the wisdom from heaven. You'll get what you search for. I don't think that's really true, God. Look, I found all of these things in this book that don't line up with what your wisdom says. Well, you found it. I want to be so wrapped up in the secret things of God secret things secret things God show me the secret things God show me your glory show me your goodness show me your nature show me what you're like because if I can just be close to that I believe that the face the glory of God will be on me the Bible talks about now the glory of God's on every believer because the Holy Spirit's alive in them and it is transforming people from glory to glory to glory because I am a friend of God that's what I need. And that supply, that wisdom is what I trust in. I need it every single day. What am I supposed to do? My car is out of gas. God, give me some wisdom. That sounds stupid until you prayed that. 
God, I locked my keys in my car. What am I going to do? True story. Go that way, God said. So I walked that way. Found somebody else, led me to somewhere else. And it's all like in a one block radius. I turn around and the guy goes, hey, there's a AAA guy right there. And I walk over to the guy and say, hey, are you here on a call? No, I'm just here on my lunch break. I lock my keys in my car. Could you help me with that? Sure can. I'm on vacation. I got a little budget. And, and uh, how much is this going to cost me? Nothing. I would have missed it if I hadn't said, God, what's your wisdom for this? What would you have missed? What will you miss? What is God trying to get to you? with his wisdom. Maybe it's time that you said, God, what do you want to be in this situation? He says, I want to be provider. God, what do you want to be in this situation? I want to be your peace. God, what do you want to be in this situation? I want to be your rest. God, what do you want to do in this situation? I want to be your healer. God, what do you want to do in this situation? I want to be your hope. God, what do you want to do in this situation? I want to be your future. God, what's your wisdom for me right now? I'll jump. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, we're all in a place where we need your wisdom. We're all in a place where we need your We love you, Holy Spirit. We tune our hearts to you. There's something powerful about that song. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us become more aware of your wisdom. Let us become more aware. And in the adversity, in the voices of the accuser, in the voices of people that surround us, in the voices of our offense and our hurt and our pain, in the voices of our wondering and our uncertainty, God, you whisper. You whisper the wisdom from heaven. And God, we jump. We jump with everything inside of us and we follow after you. We are the friends of God. Those that know their God will do great and mighty exploits. That's us. Holy Spirit, speak to your people. Yeah. We need you, Lord. We need you.
here today and you're suffering of a broken heart, would you lift your hand wherever you are? Awesome. I love you. Thank you. Brokenhearted. The Bible says that he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. The Bible says there's a balm, oil of gladness, that he wipes over. Be healed today in Jesus' name. Be healed today in Jesus' name. Bound in hope. If you're here today suffering anxiety about the future, anxiety about the future. It could be your kids, could be your own future, could be whatever, your job, whatever it is. Just raise your hand where you are. I pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, all anxiety gone. Your future is always forward. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to not harm you, that he walks you into places that are safe. Plans for a future that's always forward, is never back, and a hope. Plans to prosper you, to grow you into what he's designed you to be. The greatest thing about that is the Bible says that he has them in his hand. He possesses them. They are his plans for your life. So anxiety is just a lie. Spits in the face of God. God says, trust me. Father, let your wisdom in this area Walk us forward into our destiny. In Jesus' name. I curse anxiety, the depression that goes along with it. I curse comparison in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Just pray real quick. Just put your hand on the person next to you. Father, we thank you for the word of God today. We thank you for the Holy Spirit of God in our hearts and lives. Do more in us than we ever thought possible. Take us higher. Show us more. Show us greater. And above all else, show us your glory. In Jesus' name.